We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Saints Happy Hour Podcast with host Ralph Malbro and featuring bloggers Andrew Juge of SaintsNation.com, Kevin Held of the Team Drops the Ball, and Dave Cariello of Canal Street Chronicles. This podcast is nothing but serious football talk and hardcore analysis. Which four of you would survive the longest in the zombie apocalypse, and in which order would you die? Well, Ralph, no offense, you're going first. Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> the zombies would smell Dave's sugar blood and target him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'd get his... <laughs> I don't even have a joke, Dave! <laughs> Dave, Dave smells like nougat! Now here's your host, Ralph Malbrose. All right, welcome to the Saints Happy Hour podcast. As always, we are sponsored by you, the fan. Uh, donate. We need to keep the lights on. We're going to have a drunk history. Me and Andrew, we promise we'll get that out to you before the end of October. Pinky swear. Uh, before we get to Dave and hopefully Kevin's triumphant return, because Adrian Peterson is not no longer collecting a <laughs> paycheck from the Saints, so Kevin is back. He says it. He's a man of his words. He's coming back from the Swiss Alps or wherever he was hiking from. He's going to be back. And, and in, the, in the ultimate... Twist of irony, Adrian Peterson's kind of back, too. Yeah, Adrian Peterson leaves <laughs> the Saints and goes off. But before we get to that, we have a very special guest who is a big fan of the podcast, and Andrew was telling me about him, and I was like, we got to have him on. He's uh, Jim Gleason. He is an actor. And when and Jim, I'm not going to lie. When, a- when Andrew said, oh, he's an actor, he's a big fan, I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. He probably did, like, one role in, like, some dinner theater in Orlando. Then I pulled up your IMDb page, and I was like, damn. This dude's yeah. got like seventy three credits. I mean, you're doing like real stuff, and like my, some of my fate, like, I mean, a Hulk catch fire. I mean, some of the, like these mm-hmm. are my like favorite, like favorite shows. So before we get into the Saints, like, how uh-huh. long you been doing this, and, and and when did you when did it become like a thing where you're like, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna be an actor, and I'm gonna make money doing this. Well, uh, like our friend Dave Cariello, I went to Tulane and I studied theater there from eighty two to eighty six, and yes, there. You youngsters, there was an 82 to 86 where people were adults. Um, so when I finished college, I just knew that's what I wanted to do. And uh, I knocked around New Orleans for about 10 years when there really was not a film and television industry. And uh, did quite well for a small market. First ever seen in anything really legit was with Dennis Hopper, which was kind of cool. And then um, and I worked with Robert Duvall. And then... In, in in ninety end of ninety seven, I decided to screw it all up and go to Los Angeles, and uh, stayed out there for about fourteen years, working in, primarily in episodic TV. And then two thousand ten, I was home for Christmas, and I was home. I'm, I'm, in, I'm from Mandeville. I'm a Mandeville kid, so uh, I was home for an event, and and I met this girl, and 
we uh, we uh, locked eyes, and it, it was just like the movies. That was it. <laughs> it was the, it was it for her. Was it for me? We did long distance for about a year, and I moved home in 2012 because the film and television industry here was just booming, and uh, and I was teaching out there as well. So I teach actors here now how to audition and act for the camera. Yeah, I, I have to say, you like American Horror Story is one of me and my wife's favorites. We're trying to plug them. My wife, my wife, no. but one of my favorite, one, one of my favorite TV shows, and, and and it is a horrible TV show, but I love it. Is Franklin yeah. and Bash? It's so terrible, but I love it. And I saw that you were you were on that in 2011. I was like, yes, I I, I was. My scene was with uh, Malcolm McDowell who uh, was really super cool. I had met him 12 years prior in New Orleans at the airport. I was at the airport to pick somebody up, and who's standing there with Malcolm McDowell, and I'm that dork that'll go up and talk to anybody, right? So I go up and introduce myself, and he was really super cordial and super British, and he was really nice. So <laughs> so when we did our scene together between, uh, between setups, uh, I started chatting with him, and I said, hey, we met 12 years ago, and he, of course, had no recollection. And um, we started talking, and uh, we started talking British Invasion music. And he was from Liverpool, and his father owned a pub. And he used to duck into clubs and go see the Silver Beatles before they dropped the silver off the front of their name. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's cool. You know, and It the, was super cool. And the, you're like all these shows, like Numbers, which was a good show. I'm, I'm nostalgic for it because it was one of my dad's favorite. Like my dad loved – like this, all this. He only watched CBS, so he loved like NCIS and right. Numbers and The Rockford Files, which my wife just <laughs> cannot stand. She's like, "Why are you watching that?" I'm like, "It's The Rockford Files." My dad liked The Rockford Files. And yes, it's on <laughs> Channel 54 in Houston, and I love it. And I will I like the theme song. I just like play it over and over again. But, and Angel's cool, isn't he? Yeah. Angel on the show. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> it's like, like you know. So what? I mean, what is a, an, an experience on a TV show that you did and you were like, this is just the this is like the mm-hmm. pin, this is like the pinnacle of like everything I dreamed of when I was a kid. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, I've had a lot. I've been really blessed. Uh, I, I mean, I'm a little spiritual. So God, I believe yeah. in God and I believe that God has really, really blessed me. And uh I've had a, I've had a great experiences with a lot of uh, people that I've always sort of looked up to and had a chance to meet and work with. Um, but the one I was kind of most proud of was I played a trauma surgeon on Grey's Anatomy. It was right right after their first season, so they were a big hit. And I went and auditioned for this role of this trauma surgeon. I'm supposed to be operating on this patient. I'm arguing with uh, Isaiah Washington's character Burke. So I did the audition. And it went well, and I booked the role. When I get there, and of course, you have two scenes. One is simple, and one is the most complex thing in the world. And of course, the first day, the first you're the first scene, and it's the most complicated scene in the whole shoot. <laughs> Instead of like getting to work gradually into it, they throw you right into the fire. So they have this mock patient set up, and this little cutout where they have like a little calf's liver stuck in there. And across the table from me, are two actual nurses who are playing nurses and they're telling me how I have to receive instruments so that it looks legit. So I was not prepared for that at all. So 
I get in there and I'm like, holy smokes, I gotta I gotta remember all this technical jargon and I gotta remember all my lines and I gotta argue with Isaiah Washington and operate and look like I know what I'm doing. And uh, we did the little sort of rehearsal. Now on a television set, when they say let's rehearse, it has nothing to do with the actors. It's all for like, where's the camera gonna go? And where are you gonna be standing? That's all the rehearsal is quote unquote is to them. So we did the rehearsal and I went, I went back to get ready and I was like, oh my God, I can't screw this up. And I did super well. I was surprised at myself. So I said, this is, this is pretty boss. <laughs> so, know? so awesome. that, that is awesome. And, and now people are like, people are probably like, this is cool. I don't care. This podcast is for me. I'm, I'm enjoying this, but people are probably like, <laughs> get to the saints and the saints. Well, are I just, I want to say real quick, Jim, I mean, this in the middle of all this, you know, Saints Nation started in 2007, 2008. Oh, yeah. That's when I started my blog. And Jim was one of the very first people to like. Besides your friends and family? Yeah, to like be reading the articles, commenting on them, emailing me, and kind of having a back and forth, which is the whole reason I started the whole thing. Uh, mm-hmm. was just to have. I live in Virginia. There's no Saints fans here. <laughs> or just not, not a ton of them. And it was an outlet for me to d- talk Saints with fans. And so. You know, um, and, anyway, it's it's awesome. It's it's so cool to have him on the yeah. podcast. Now. And it's Jim, my like, pleasure. What's your what's your first like Saints memory? Your 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 first like Saints memory that you have in your life? Uh, my first Saints memory is walking across, is getting off the streetcar, and walking across the Tulane campus to the old Tulane Stadium, and sitting in the aluminum bleachers, and. M- kicking the aluminum bleachers and making noise and my dad getting all pissed at the refs and screaming and you, you get a box of popcorn that was shaped uh i can't I don't know how to explain it it had four sides and the and from the bottom it flared out to the top and on the side it said go saints go and when you finish your popcorn it was perforated so you could tear out the bottom of the of the box and it then became a megaphone. And oh. as kids, my brother and I used to go, <laughs> go awesome. Saints, go through the megaphone. My, so. my father had Saints season tickets, like really good seats. It was $100 for 11 games because back in 67, they played they played six preseason games. Uh, um, they did that for a long time because the players, they didn't really do an offseason. They needed time to get in shape you know yeah um, my first saints memory is walter payton breaking the rushing record of jim brown they uh, stopped yeah. they stopped the game in 83 i think uh-huh. they stopped the game i that's my first saints memory watching on tv but um you're you're a diehard fan and last question before we get to the actual game like the interesting thing i always find about saints fans jim is when you meet them i rarely meet a Saints fan that isn't connected to the Saint to New Orleans in some kind of way. I know it's different now a little bit because they've been winning the last 10 years and, and it's a few of them that... Oh, it's the international brand now. Yeah, it's international yeah. brand. But like most Saints fans, are, yeah, yeah, they have to be connected to New Orleans in some way. I, I remember when I lived in California, if I was wearing my Saints stuff and I bumped into somebody like, mm-hmm. and I would chat with them, it wasn't like, yeah, I just I just dig the Saints and I'm from Idaho. Like It was always like, mm-hmm. I'm from Shelman and but you know, like... <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, you know, every Sunday we used to meet at the sports bar and there were a couple of people, more than one, that were like, I don't know, as a kid, I had a choice. My dad got said you can either have a Giants jersey or a Saints jersey. (laughs) Pick the Saints jersey. Or one guy said. uh, It was just a couple of people that were stories like that. Yeah. Where it was either a hat or a, a 
either a hat or a jersey or something like that, or they just locked onto the Saints. Yeah. So, but for the most part, it's yeah. It's, well, I'm from Chalmette, or I'm from I'm from Mississippi, and we know we're about an hour outside of New Orleans, so that kind of thing. So the Saints are three and two. Um, how much of panic did you have today during this game? <laughs> I had a lot of. Pa- I'm not gonna lie. I had. I had. A, I had. A, I had. A, I, had a, I had a mini meltdown when it got to 45-38. I will not lie. Well, whenever the Saints go up, or any team in the NFL, whenever they go up like 35 points in the first half, get ready for the upset. <laughs> It's just the way it goes. I mean, you you may not remember this. There was there was a Monday night football when the, the Saints were on, and I think they were playing the Raiders. They were, and they and and Chuck Muncie was the running back. I remember Chuck Muncie just like running up into the camera and putting his face off in the camera at halftime, and then and they lost that game. They were up 30, 30 They were up twenty eight to seven. Something ridiculous. Yeah. And uh, and so anytime the Saints go up real fast. I'm like, oh, Lord, because you get complacent and do what they did today. They play conservative. They keep handing the ball off. They get two yards and they punt. And that's just it's just a recipe for a screw up. You know what I mean? Andrew, were you did you I mentally checked out? I mean, I was checking in on Atlanta as they were coughing up the lead to the the, to the Dolphins. <laughs> I was mentally checked out. Like it got to be forty five ten. I'm like peeking over at the Dolphins. My wife is yeah. on the couch sleeping. My wife. My wife. So I mean, you know. Uh, so did you kind of mentally? I mean, when it got to be forty five to ten. Oh, I, I was. I mean, I actually was texting texting with Jim during the game, and I think yeah. at one point I just texted, "They're they're going to lose. They're done." <laughs> Yeah. Um, what what did so, I say, Andrew? What did I say? Uh, let me look back here. You said something like I can tell you. I said, oh, "How dare you? How dare, yeah, how dare you? How dare you? How dare you?" <laughs> uh, don't lie. You were you were thinking it too. Um, but uh, no, I, I I was nervous. I think the thing that was tough, man, is that it literally the only way they could lose was and to do were... things like give up a long touchdown, one handed one handed pass, Check. you know, one handed catch. Turnovers. Give up a t- long touchdown up the seam on third and seventeen. Check. Give up a punt return for a touchdown. Check. Right. Throw a pick six from the one. Check. <laughs> like, yeah, it was like a turn the ball like, over two other times. It was a right. how to. It was a how to yeah. guide of how to call like, up a don't get a first league. down for the whole half. Yeah, it was. It was a, and that's <laughs> right. the thing. Like it was. It was going like, a, and then like when Detroit got it, even though they were ninety nine yards away, I was like. I said on Twitter, I was like, we all know how this is going to go. <laughs> but, but they, and, then, and then Cam Jordan pick, picks <laughs> it. And, it. And, yeah. I mean. Andrew, tell, tell, tell him what else I said about Detroit. Uh, oh, you said that this is Detroit's used to doing this. Yeah. Kind of coming they're, back. They're going to play well, just well enough to lose. That's right. And that's what they did. Yeah, that's the thing. Like the Saints, if they would have had just like one clock, even if they wouldn't have scored, if it would have been like forty-five to seventeen, and they'd have took, they'd have had a drive where they drive six minutes and yeah. and punted. Like Detroit would have thrown the white flag because Stafford was beat up, but it just kept going and going. I mean, um, here's the thing for me in this game. Yeah, I said on the last podcast that I, I predicted a Saints you, blowout you win. Did, you and, did, and and. and up until 45-10, that was kind of how I was expecting it. Kinda it kind of went like I said, though. I said it was going to be a blowout, but that Detroit would make it close and it would get – and then Saints would wrap it up. So I was – Yeah, gonna, yeah. So I was – So, so it's close. funny because I, I made a comment that I think the offense is only going to get better because they're going to get Adrian Peterson out of the mix. Yeah. And it's going to allow them to kind of unlock the offense and not force the ball to him, 
not square peg, round hole it, but just kind of focus on the matchups and how they can attack a defense. And I, I thought, especially in the first half, when you look at how they got who involved and how they got Ted Ginn isolated on the safety and yeah. they weren't involving Mike Thomas at all. And it didn't matter. I mean, Willie Sneed wasn't touching the ball much. Kobe Fleener had no role in this game and they were still able to expose them. And so, you know, it just became a lot more about the game plan and a lot less about, you know, I got to keep Adrian Peterson happy. You wanna, you wanna, <laughs> so, I'm going to tell you two things that, one will make me look like a fantasy genius. The other one will make me look like the worst fantasy player ever, which I am. I started ten, Ted Ginn out of desperation because I was I had injuries and bye weeks. So I started Ted Ginn. That was good. Bad. I cut Adrian Peterson on Monday before Ooh. the Saints traded him, and I picked up Atlanta's defense to play Miami. Wow. Oh. Ouch. Yeah. But, but, but so the really weird thing about this is in the second half when the Saints were up 45-10 and all they had to do was milk the clock, that's when I started thinking, man, I really wish they had Adrian Peterson here. And it's, it was one of those things where you can commit to the run, run every play, and you don't really care if the guy – you trust him enough because he's a veteran and you know, he, you know he's, gonna, he's a power back that's going to run in between the tackles. But if he gets hurt – you kind of don't care because he's not one of your two bell cows. <laughs> yeah. right. So, so I, this, you know, in the ultimate twist of just like, oh man, like I just had that moment where I was just like, even before I saw how well he was doing, I was like, it's kind of, it's kind of funny how this worked out because this is the one time in, through five games this season where I could see Adrian Peterson getting 15 carries and, and us actually needing him. All right. I mean, well, I mean, you know, I was just, you know, here's, look at it this way. Peterson had like over 100 yards today, and everyone's being like, why did the Saints get rid of him? He, he would be so great. Between the two of the running backs that we had, we had almost 200 yards. So yeah. what do you want, 100 yards or 200 yards, which you prefer? <laughs> and I think they know how to use those guys. So I don't, I, I, I can see what you're saying, Andrew. I get it. Uh, but they've got uh, what's 33 33 uh, they should have run him today because here's the thing like Adrian Peterson fumbles a lot anyway so right I, mean, I, know, I know you say you trust him but they could have like to, if, if you're not gonna mix in Edmonds today like you're never Peterson gonna mix fumble in. today by the way what's that Peterson fumbled yeah, today. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, but if the Saints aren't ever going to mix in Edmonds today, they're never going to get. He's never getting a carry, dude. Well, he's he's the insurance. You know what I mean? I yeah. mean, um, but I guess Jim, I, I look at this team like, and you know, I'll admit freely, like when they were zero two, I was like, I wasn't saying that they were going to be a, a disaster and be like four and twelve, but I was like, it's seven and nine again, mm-hmm. a Redux. But I look at the NFC and I'm like, who's better than the Saints? Not too many. You know, you could you could argue that Washington is a similar team. You could argue that uh, the Rams could put it together. Um, Atlanta, I can't. Uh, you know, they they got they lucked out last year. Um, Green Bay obviously is out. Um, Detroit is beat up. We beat we beat them up today pretty badly. Um, you know what I mean? Tampa Bay, he, they're, they're, uh, by the, the, the running quarterback in the NFL is a complete myth designed to sell jerseys. It's never going to win a Super Bowl ever. Can we all just put that to bed? Amen. Do you know what I mean? Uh, has, 
I don't think any has any. No, no running quarterback is. Well, Steve, no. Steve Young kind of. He's not a running. Now he's not a running quarterback. He's not gonna. He's not gonna pull the ball down and make plays with his legs. You know, every seventh play, he only he only does that in times of desperation. He did it well. Yeah. You know? uh, Andrew, Atlanta's kind of a mess, man. They, <laughs> I mean, they, their fans were melting down, and and they, I mean. They, I mean, you look at the Saints, and you—they're three and two, and they are like exactly where they're supposed to be. Like, there's no like luck or any like their three wins are solid wins. Their two losses, they got their ass handed to them, <laughs> and they're three and two, right? You look at Atlanta, they're three and two, but they could be one and four easily. Mm-hmm. You know? You know, I just think it. You look at the Falcons last year, and just. A lot of things went their way. They were the only team in the NFL that had all five offensive linemen the whole year. And that that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And I think you look at Julio Jones. He's a little banged up this year. Um, they had the number one sack guy in the league last year. And, and this year, I'm looking at their, their box score against the Dolphins. They did not have one sack today. And you know when you're against that line, you miss <laughs> at home? easily, and you're not hitting Jay Cutler at home. Uh, at home. At Andrew. home. Yeah. Wow. So you know, without without Beasley, all of a sudden their pass rush is a big question mark. Um, you know, Matt Ryan is he was an you know they lost their offensive coordinator right. He mm-hmm. was kind of the he was the yeah. design guy. So you know now they've got a new guy and. I'm looking at Matt Ryan's stats for the year, and I think he's got five touchdowns and five picks. So, you know, he's not putting up his over 100 QB rating. The Ralph Fantasy Stink is alive and well. I have him, and he's my starting quarterback, and he is terrible. <laughs> the Ralph. The Ralph keep starting. Keep starting. The, him. I have him. I have Hooper, their tight end. I have their running backs. Like, my fantasy team is a, it, it's a disaster. And I did it for you, Saints fans. I you did get, it you for you. I did it. I, I, I'm like, I look at, I should get like a purple heart of fantasy for like doing that for Saints Nation or whatever you want to say. Like, I'm, Ralph, I, you, you totally threw yourself on a fantasy grenade for I us. Did. I appreciate it. I, 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 and you know what? I wanted to trade for Julio Jones and I offered the guy in the, in the podcast league a ridiculous trade offer and he refused because I wanted to have Ryan Coleman. Julio, Hooper, the Matt Bryant, and Atlanta's defense. That's what I wanted, and he he refused. Like I, I offered, I think I offered him Michael Thomas and like two other running backs, and he turned me down. Hmm. I was very disappointed. Um, so I mean, so Jim, like, what? Before we get to like a preview for the your predictions for the Saints the rest of the year, like, what do you have anything like really cool acting wise that's coming up for you that we should be on the lookout for? You know, uh, actually, at the end of the last year, I worked on four different feature films. Uh, two of them are sort of like uh, – one of them was kind of like Mad Max. They're all set in sort of the near-distant future. Uh, one was kind of a Mad Max-esque thing where I play sort of a normal guy. And then uh, the other was a, a this, like, farm technology conspiracy theorist thing. It's, it sounds weird, but it's really kind of <laughs> cool. But there were two other movies. One was a remake of the movie Benji. And I play like the police detective captain. And then the other was a movie, a football movie about a 
player who played for Ole Miss. His name was Chucky Mullins. Oh, Are you guys they, familiar with yeah, him? Yeah, Chucky Mullins. He's a big my, – my whole family went to Ole Miss. Chucky Mullins, okay. is a, he's huge. My brother actually yeah. went – he was – my brother was at Ole Miss when he played against Vanderbilt and collided yeah. and, and got paralyzed. Well, I play the dad of uh, Brad Gaines, who was oh, the guy yeah. that Van, for, Van, for Vandy, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so that I don't know when that's coming out, but uh, I'm pretty happy about that. That was a that was a nice shoot. It's a nice role too. So yeah, that, that'll be that'll be a really yeah. interesting movie. I mean, he was beloved. He was he's beloved that old Miss. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's called It's Time, which is kind of their their motto. Oh, speaking of mottos, did you guys see the uh, the NFL films uh, Football Life about Sam Mills? I did. Yes. I didn't. I taped it. It's amazing. It's pretty great, dude. And that's yeah, the. Robertson almost pulled off the Sam Mills today, taking the ball right out of Matt Stafford's hand and running for a touchdown. Sam Mills actually did it to Browning Nagel in '92. Yeah, can I? Can we? Can we talk about that for a second? Like, why? Why has Craig Robertson not been playing this year? I don't know. Yeah. It, it, the Saints, the Saints, two moves on defense that kind of have jump started their defenses: Crawley and Robertson, and they didn't even want to do it. Like they had to yeah. be, they had to be shamed and forced into it. You know? Yeah. I want to I want to take up a, a, a point of issue uh, with uh, the Juge, if I may. <laughs> um, Bring it on. At the, at pre- during preseason, you were like, I don't know about our linebackers. And I was like, dude, you don't understand. This is the Saints. This is Peyton's M.O. He gets these guys that are just behind the starters on other teams, and he brings them in, and they do well. He did it with Fujita. He did it with, with Shanley. He did it, you know, he, he had a bunch of no-names, except for when they plugged in Vilma. Yeah. So uh, and so now they've got some legit players at, at linebacker, and you know that last year Robertson was, I think, their best linebacker, and this year he's this year he's not, but he's very good. So they've really upgraded that position. That's why they stopped the run so well yeah i think the thing with robertson he's the new shanley in that the fans yeah. hate him the fans hate him the coaching staff wants to replace him but all he does is be slightly above adequate and keep all, it, and keep his he's job. always in position he's yeah. always around the ball and he's always kind of making plays now every once in a while he'll get beat everybody gets beat a little bit yeah. come on Give somebody, give thing. him a break that's the thing i think you know some people say i think robertson maybe his biggest thing is he, he struggles when coverage gets behind him, you know, yeah. and we saw that on the third and 17 seam throw to the tight end where they scored. So I, I think he's, he struggles there and he's not the fastest guy, but I mean, give me a guy like that any day over oh, yeah. a guy like Stefan Anthony, who has all the measurables, all the skills, everything you would ever need to be successful at linebacker, but mentally they just don't, they don't have the instincts and their head is just swimming when they're out there. Mm-hmm. Robertson reads and reacts, and m- most of the time he gets to the ball and he makes the play. And mm-hmm. I would, I would rather have guys like that in the game. Yeah, he, he's he he is a player because you're not going to have 11 Pro Bowl guys in your defense. He's a guy that's really good, and it just goes to show you, Jim. Cleveland, they don't know what they're doing. Like Cleveland, right. got, Cleveland got rid of him, and the Saints got him for some. And I just saw that Cleveland is like they're like a, not even a year and a half into their grand experiment. The, the owner already wants to blow it up. Cleveland's Cleveland's never winning a football game ever again. Um, And can can I just say how, guys, do you understand how amazingly talented our rookie class is? It is astonishing. We got got Lattimore. We got Ranchick. We got uh, 
Kamara, obviously. We got Marcus Williams. And I, I think Marcus Williams is a little underrated. He's still learning on the job. But I remember last game, or maybe it was the game before, the, the, the receiver uh, went out and he, he caught the, the pass in the flat and he started to go down the sideline. Marcus Williams comes up and takes that sideline angle away. How many times have we seen a Saints safety come up to Jarisburg and take the wrong angle and the dude scores a touchdown? He forced the dude back inside, did his job. He's a smart, talented kid. And then you got Hendrickson, who was making plays today. Anzalone, who was like really coming on before he got injured, which is a shame. This is an amazing draft class. It's as good as 2006. This feels like 2006. Yeah, yeah, and the, the absolutely. Shame, and the shame of it is, like, all they needed to do was have, like, one other draft class this good between 2006 and 2017, and they'd have had, like, three more playoff appearances. Right. Because they had mm. Drew Brees. Like, that's all. Like, like to turn the needle back and be, a like, probably. I think they're going to be a playoff team this year because the NFC is terrible. But, like that's, all, like, that's all it took, Andrew. It was, like, one good like Like, a lot of teams have to stack draft after draft after draft because they, like, Jacksonville, they have everything but a quarterback. The Saints, they right. had Drew Brees. All it took is basically a pretty good draft in 16 and an awesome draft in 17, and they're right back in it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So. So, Jim, like, what do you see the rest of the year? Well, I, I have my handy-dandy schedule right in front of me. Uh, we the go to Green Bay. Five games, they're all winnable in my Absolutely. Opinion. Absolutely. Uh, Green Bay, if if what's his, if uh, Rodgers isn't playing, I mean, how can you not win that game? Well, that game is interesting, and we'll talk about it with – when, when we talk to Dave and Kevin, is it that yeah. it's not just Rodgers that's gone. They might be without both of their offensive tackles. Right. Uh, Chicago in the Dome, come on. Tampa Bay, Jameis Winston's beat up, uh, come on. At Buffalo, Tyrod Taylor, really? Uh, Washington, Washington in the Dome, that's going to be a good game. Um, at L.A. Rams, we'll have to play well to beat them there. Um, although LA doesn't really have a fan base yet, yeah. Uh, in ca- uh, Carolina in the dome, that's a that's a sneaky one because we beat them pretty handily in their place, and we know we can get to Cam Newton. But are we going to be complacent? Are we going to walk into that going, ah, we got this? Yeah. Because when you do that, you're not going to win. At Atlanta, I think we could win that one. Jets at home, absolutely. Atlanta at the dome. If we lose in Atlanta, we'll beat them in the dome. And at Tampa Bay, I don't, I just don't think Tampa Bay is that good. So I, I but I'm, I'm such an optimist; it's ridiculous. <laughs> but I think we could win. We could lose two. We could go eleven and we could go eleven and four. Eleven, yeah, eleven four, eleven. I, I still think they're gonna. I, still I mean, think you read gonna... that schedule, and you, I mean, ten and six gets you in the playoffs. And to me, now that they're three and two. I was telling you, Ralph, that this game is a must-win because they can't go into Green Bay. At the right. time, I was thinking Rodgers was going to play, but I was telling you they can't go into Green Bay at two and three. Um, so they got the must-win. You look at the schedule. I mean, ten and six for me now it's attainable. Yeah, like this season is officially. I, I'm ready to sound the bell here. This season is officially exciting. I yeah. said eleven and four. I meant twelve and four. Twelve and four. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, you know, you you, you got to see too. They're gonna have their. They're gonna have some injury bumps, and it just depends on where. Yeah. You know, it just depends on where it, it hits you. The more, the older I get, guys, the more I'm thinking NFL. It just like, it's 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 
it's a lot about skill and coaching and, and drafting all that. But a lot of it, man, is injury luck and catching teams at the right time. Like they catch, yeah. they caught Detroit at the right. They caught Detroit at the perfect week this week. I think today they caught and, Carolina at the perfect. Time. You know, and I think they, ca- yeah. I think they're catching Green Bay. If you, if I would have told you, Andrew, when the Saints after they got housed by New England, if I said to you, Andrew, in four more weeks. The Saints are going to go to Green Bay and be a four and a half point favorite. What would you have said? No, I would have laughed in your face. You just said, <laughs> did, 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 Aaron, did Aaron Rodgers die? But, yeah. but even then, even then, you'd have been like, well, even if Aaron Rodgers isn't injured, it'd still probably be a pick 'em. Like, yeah. they're, a, they're a four and a half point I would favorite. have laughed in your face, and then I would have known you were lying and crazy when you would have subsequently told me that they would have, they would have two pick sixes. <laughs> For the first time since 2012 with Jonathan Vilma. And three defensive touchdowns. Yeah. First time ever, by the way, the Saints. Wow. Wow. That, off that day. Wow. Even the Dome Patrol never pulled that off. Right. Um, Unbelievable. So the Saints are a four and a half point favorite. And uh, it may get higher. You know? Like when we when we tape yeah. when we tape with with, uh, with, the, the, with the boys, it may be up. Like it could get to seven. Like it's going to be – People are just going to pound the Saints for the gambling degenerates. So, <laughs> so Jim, uh, you predicting twelve and four? I like it. I like optimism. It's yeah. it's all it's all rainbows now, man. LSU yeah. went in Tulane. They, Tulane had a hiccup, but they're going to go to a bowl. It's all rainbows now, baby. Um, all right, Jim. Jim, give us our predict your prediction and player of the game for uh, Packers next week. Wow. Okay. Uh, my prediction on the score. I can see the Saints going 31 points, Green Bay 14. Uh, player of the game for the Saints. Do you care if it's offense or defense? No, or who? You do whatever Anybody you want. desires. Hmm. Well, because he's playing so well, I'm going to stick with uh, Cam Jordan. I just think he's tearing it up, man. He Especially, is. like you said, uh, uh, Ralph, if uh, if their tackles aren't playing well, he's just going to rip rip up that rookie. Or who, who's their backup over there? I don't even know who their backup tackles are. Brett Hudley. Oh, it's that back. dude. It's yeah, it's the dude who stepped in. Poor Brett dude. H- Brett Brett Hudley is the quarterback. I have no idea who. I, I don't I don't yeah. know the Packer depth chart. I don't know who their tackle who their backup That's tackle. Who, yeah. I know they're terrible. That's what I, I, know. I want to just ask Cam Jordan. Like we we kind of expect him to be good because he's the one guy on this defense that's been good throughout his career. Mm-hmm. But he's got five sacks in five games. He's, he he had, he had his first touchdown. Like he he's having a career year. He yeah. looks so happy to find, <laughs> to finally have competent competence around him. Like he looks genuinely happy on the sideline. And it's not. I mean, I know it's because the Saints are winning and all that. But the Saints have won. You know, he got here in 2011. They won in 2011. They won in 2013. He was really good. He looks. Radiant, on yeah. the side. he does. It's it's, it, but it, it's cool to see. So, and the, the Saints are doing poses and all. It's it's phenomenal. <laughs> the, 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 it's great. It's great. It's, it's great. And so, Jim, thanks for joining us. We'll have you on uh, again uh, later on, maybe in the off season. Maybe maybe even if they keep winning, we'll, we'll need you for a good luck charm. But guy, thanks for thanks for joining us. Uh, you gave You're us welcome. more time than we originally said. So uh, join us and uh, people f- find him. He's on TV shows all over the yeah. place. 
I teach acting classes uh, yep. in the New Orleans area, the workingactorsstudio.com. There you go. So if you if you want to – you got the acting acting bug? The work, what was it again, Jim? Theworkingactorsstudio.com. There you go. So uh, thanks, Jim, for joining us. We appreciate and it. And one, one, one other thing. Uh, this, is, this is back in the 90s uh, when you were still in junior high. Uh, I went. T- yeah. There used to be a, a little magazine called TV Guide. Uh, you, that you would get uh, subscribed to, right? So in the '90s, I, I opened this TV guide, and inside it's it's like a it's, it's like class rings. Get your favorite fan NFL ring. And I was just a kid, and I was poor, and I had no business buying one, but I bought one. I think it was like ninety bucks for this thing, and it's like a class ring, but it looks like the Saints. The nice. first, and I, I always call I always called it my Super Bowl ring, right? And so yeah. the Saints finally won. Well, the first two games of this season, I did not wear the ring. The oh. last three games, I wore the ring. Never so, take it off. Never I'm take gonna... it off. <laughs> I, I've, I've worn the same T-shirt and I drank the same beer the last three Saints games. There you go. Nice. I, the, my Raphael Bush jersey is. I've worn it the last two weeks. Two and zero with it. So. I've got I've got the, the authentic home and away Gleason jerseys. This is before he was a celebrity. This is when he was just a player. So. Before he became your cousin. Yeah, before he's like my best. Yeah, it's like, it's really my cousin. Uh, all right. <laughs> all right. So, so thanks Thank you again, so much, man. Thanks again, guy. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, 
There's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.